0: My own Jewish journey was derailed temporarily after a somewhat scarring experience I had when I was 16. I was picking up my then-girlfriend at her Orthodox Jewish Day School in New Jersey. Not recognizing me, the school's rabbi confronted me immediately with a series of sharp biographical questions. Where are you from? What do your parents do? Have you thought about college? What did you say your last name was again? I replied, Trief. He looked at me with a puzzled expression. Do you know what that means? At that point, with my rudimentary Jewish education, I did not know what a similar-sounding Yiddish word, traif, meant. It turns out it means non-kosher. How did your family acquire such a name? I remember vaguely there were other people around me, and they started laughing. I felt their stares burning through me and felt humiliated. Now I love my last name. I view it as a unique badge of honor, especially for a rabbi. I think my wife, also a rabbi, would agree as well. But at that impressionable age, it was a bit different. Suffice it to say, I did not feel welcomed in that environment. In fact, that was one of many incidents that showed me that Judaism might not be the right path for me. Thankfully, the Jewish world has come a long way in terms of engagement and inclusivity, and especially here at Sinai, where we have two fairly new congregational engagement managers who help ensure that this place is one that accepts, affirms, and creates positive Jewish memories. Welcome to Seeking Sinai, the monthly podcast of Temple Sinai in Atlanta, where we explore the great spiritual questions of our day. We continue our exploration of Jewish journeys on a quest to inspire and derive meaning from the amazing people around us. We are here today with Carrie Bond and Avery Friedman. Both are responsible for so much of what makes Sinai a shining light in the community. Bruchim baim, welcome from wherever you are listening. I'm Rabbi Natan, Director of Adult Learning. I'm happy you're with us. Avery Carrie thanks for coming to talk to us. How are you
1: doing well excited
2: to be here yeah thanks for having us
0: uh, first time on a podcast
2: yes it is actually first time on a podcast avid podcast listener so the excitement is high
0: <laughs> Do you um, do you all know after a few months here do you all know uh, every family and every individual's name in, in the congregation?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I totally do. Wow, you set the bar really high. <laughs> did you know that we have 76 Goldbergs?
1: Really? We have 48 Friedmans of various spellings. I did check that one out.
0: Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> um, so this, uh, this podcast for this year is called Jewish Journeys. So I'm curious about uh, each of your family's Jewish journeys. Uh, how did you end up in the States? What are some of the twists and turns from the old country to the new country, etc.? Uh, you want to start with Carrie?
2: Sure. Um, I have some notes here. I asked my mom before this, um, if she could just recap some of the, some of the journey. Cause it, I, you know, it's been a while since I've heard the full one. So this was an exciting thing for me to, um, talk to her about. So my mom's grandpa came over from Russia when he was around six. Um, then my mom's other grandpa is from Bohemia, which I think is kind of interesting. I think that my dad's side of the family is from Belarus, which is really actually cool because in my graduate, um, in my graduate school class, there was um, a person who's from Belarus. So I had never, it was really cool to connect with him because i had never obviously met anyone that was actually from there. Um, and we had a really like nice time connecting over that. Um, a fun fact about my family is that Isaac Mayer Weiss is actually like a distant uncle of mine, and I'm actually named after his half-sister Caroline, which is kind of cool. Um, my mom loves to tell people that, and she told me that I needed to tell, uh, people that when I told them about my Jewish history, so, um, I don't know. It's moderately interesting.
0: No, that's a, that's a, that's a nice piece <laughs> of Reformed Jewish trivia. That yeah, is a fun uh, fact. Yeah. Thanks.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, my mom is from Chicago, and my dad is actually from a really small town in Kentucky called Hopkinsville. He's from uh, Christian County, Kentucky, which my entire <laughs> family is Jewish, so I always think that's kind of funny. Um, and they were essentially peddlers, um, classic Jewish American story. Um, they had a store. Then they got really involved in the radio business. Um, and my dad actually worked in radio for a lot of his life. Um, he's still alive. Um, but <laughs> a lot of his professional <laughs> life, I mean, he's retired now. Um, he worked in radio and he worked in sports radio. So that's kind of cool and, a, you know, cool way that, you know, my family's history has kind of progressed throughout time. Um, yeah.
0: Great. That's a awesome. about me. Avery.
2: Yeah. uh, So I actually come from
1: an interfaith family. My dad's side is Jewish, and they come from Russia and Poland. They've been in the States for, I want to say, four generations. My great, great grandparents came over, um, and they settled in New York City, and they had a dry cleaner uh, right smack in the middle of New York City, and they used to do um, like the draperies for Broadway and a lot of the costumes for the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So That was always a really big point of pride. It has since been sold. My dad did not want to go into the dry cleaning business after four generations of Friedman's. Um, But my mom's side has been in the States for much longer. Her side of the family is not Jewish. They came from uh, Ireland, Scotland, the UK, uh, the Czech Republic, six or seven generations back. And they made their way to the Midwest where they worked on various kinds of farms and in coal mines and so my dad came from New York City and my mom came from a very small town in Missouri, like on the Oklahoma border and they met in DC at a Christmas party, ironically and were introduced by friends <laughs> That's so cute right I always thought it was so much fun.
0: A holiday Spirit bringing us together. <laughs> my
1: dad always says that red sweater that she wore, he just can't forget it) <laughs> That's so cute.
0: With, with, was he wearing a similarly ugly Hanukkah sweater at the time? Or?
1: You know, I actually don't know. That's not a part of the story that anybody's <laughs> ever mentioned. But you know, back in the late '80s, I don't know if ugly Christmas slash Hanukkah sweaters were such a big cultural phenomenon. I think so it's kind of a
0: newer thing. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna guess probably not. Unfortunately, it's a major missed opportunity.
0: <laughs> so y'all, um, y'all started uh, the same time, pretty much. Uh, you all, you have the same titles. Um, can people tell you apart? Uh, like, what's the what, what's the status of that?
2: I think it's getting easier. Um, We do different things, so that's helpful. Um, I run a lot of our, or help run a lot of our aesthetic initiatives. I work with Brotherhood, Women of Sinai, Ati Danu, just to name a few. Avery, on the other hand. (laughs) I work with a lot of the ages and stages groups, so young family, college
1: outreach, young adults, empty nesters, the 65 and up crowd, and I also do a lot of the culture of belonging, sort of administrative behind the scenes things. So I feel like you know, I don't necessarily have people calling me Carrie, but I do have mm-hmm. people asking me questions about, mm-hmm. you know, backpack buddies or one of the projects that she works on. I think it also helps that our names aren't similar. Yeah, very and different. And
0: luckily,
2: we don't look alike. We either. don't look alike. Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. No, like?
0: no. No. I'm not seeing the resemblance now.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, trust me, for those of you listening. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so what? Uh, what aspect? I want to talk more about Judaism general um, ideas. What aspect of Judaism most Uh, ignites you as a Jew, as a Jewish professional? Are you more of a peoplehood, cultural kind of Jew, or does the religious aspect of Judaism appeal to you? Is it ritual, prayer, food, Israel, tikkun olam? There's so many different access points. What is it for each of you? Uh, Avery?
1: Yeah. Um, So like I said, I grew up in an interfaith household and Judaism was never a huge major priority, I would say. And I didn't really love being in synagogue spaces. I grew up in a conservative temple and just felt pretty out of place there. And it wasn't until I got to college and went on birthright and went to Israel for the first time that Judaism kind of made sense for me and everything clicked. So I would say Israel was definitely the the awakening where I realized that Judaism could be and feel and exist in so many different ways and that Jews weren't in this box that I had kind of always understood them to be growing up. It was the first time I really understood that Jews think and feel and observe and look and act in so many different ways, but they're all still Jews, and that's a beautiful, incredibly uniting thing. So Israel was the thing that sparked it, but I think because of that, the whole Jewish peoplehood, global traditions, culture piece is really what inspires me more than the religious and spiritual aspects.
0: Great. We, uh, we share similar stories uh, with Israel, with birthright, uh, and peoplehood. Uh, Carrie?
2: Yeah, I think... It's taken me a really long time to accept the fact that a lot of what brings me closer to Judaism is the cultural pieces to it. I think I always felt a little bit shameful that it wasn't, I didn't have such an incredibly spiritual life and I wasn't um, so driven by the really, um, by living out halaha in the modern world. Um, so I think now that I am a little bit older and have kind of like found my own Jewish identity um, I think it I really can accept that it's like the cultural things that really mean a lot to me being in community with other Jewish people is something that really fulfills me Um, connecting amongst Jewish holidays and kind of forming my own traditions that are really true to who I am um, is really special to me and um, yeah I feel like I'm still best friends with all of my camp friends from when we were kids. That's really meaningful to me to have, like, you know, Jewish friends that are kind of along the same stage in life that I am. So, um, yeah, the cultural pieces are important to me. And to olam and um, making the world a better place and being able to use our Jewish values to, you know, create a more just and fair world is, is something that also drives me a lot. Um, so I think those are kind of my two heavy hitters.
0: I feel like I heard at least five or six in, in, uh, in, in that. <laughs> I but. tried to keep it short. but did. didn't work. Uh, spe- speaking of, uh, of different um, access points to, Ju- to Judaism, holidays is obviously a, a, a big one. Uh, there's an, an old Jewish joke about holidays that says that, uh, you know, they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. Uh, perhaps this applies to... Um, the holiday of Purim, more than any other holiday, which is rapidly approaching in just a few days, uh, what does that holiday mean to you? And only only one of you all ha- uh, um, has to answer each of these questions, unless you each have something uh, that you want to say. And what do you think um, it's meant to the Jewish people throughout the centuries?
1: I can feel that one if you want. Sure, we both can. Um, Purim is actually my favorite holiday, and it always has been. I've always just really felt like it is such a cool, colorful outrageous and the best way sort of celebration of Jewish tradition. And I think sometimes our celebrations aren't quite as outrageous as Purim can be. And the Jewish community and Jewish history is so vibrant. I love that we have such a vibrant celebration, especially of a holiday that really highlights and celebrates the women in our history and in our culture. I think Purim is the ultimate feminist holiday, both with Queen Esther and Queen Vashti, as I've gotten older and actually did a good chunk of my graduate work around Feminism in biblical curriculum, and I focused on Esther, and I was so inspired by her strong leadership and her growth and the lessons that we can learn from her. I think that especially celebrating it with young kids is so important because there's so much to learn and and, and to be celebrated by these incredible women.
0: I, I, I'm glad I asked that question. You obviously have a lot of passion and, and experience with it. There, there's one thing about form though that that's always kind of uh, it, it's tough from an educational perspective because there are so many different ways that you can teach about Purim, and it can be, like, a very troubling, disturbing, it's very colorful, like, how do you broach the topics with kids about, like, you know, genocide and possible prostitution, I mean, there's so many different, like, angles there, and yet kids just think it's kind of like a fun Halloween get-dressed stuff, but it's, like, so much deeper than that, obviously.
1: There's so much room to just continue to learn about it in different ways as you get older. I mean, when I was a kid, I always understood the the Esther and Vashti dichotomy is like the good queen, bad queen. It wasn't until I really got to grad school and started delving deeper into it that I understood that Vashti very much not the villain of the story. Like I had been taught as a kid and she's an incredible, bold, independent totally, woman. Totally, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, is, your, is your favorite church holiday also Purim or a different one?
2: No, I do like Purim. Love the vibe that it creates. Love the costumes. Love the drinking. Love all the food. Um, I think my favorite Jewish holiday is Sukkot. Love eating outside, love decorating with natural materials. That's really fun for me. Sometimes my birthday is during Sukkot, which is lovely. Oftentimes my birthday is during the high holidays, which is a little bit of a sore point. Um, I was actually born on Yom Kippur, so I don't know what that means about my life trajectory. But... um, I just love, it's fall time, the leaves are crisp, great food associated with Sukkot. Um, I just love it. It's a good one.
0: Yeah, Sukkot's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, My birthday falls on Yom Kippur at least once every three years or so. (sighs)
1: Wow. Yeah. I did not get the invite. I was born on Shavuot, actually. My Uh, birthday is on it again this year. It's a little bit of a different vibe.
0: I feel like Shavuot is by far the most neglected holiday. No one... If asked the question, "What's your favorite Jewish holiday?" would probably say Shavuot. Unfortunately, they
1: have a very real passion for cheesecake. I feel yeah, like it's often say, overlooked. That's a hard one for you, right? Like you can't. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Jews. You know, we have yeah. those nice dairy sensitivities. So, Stuff. Of course, we have a holiday to you know, celebrate. Late spring, dairy. early summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's hard,
0: yeah, honestly,
2: Shavuot's kind of the worst because I mean, i mean, I'm, I'll try not to take it personally.
0: <laughs> right? No, I'm
2: sorry. Like I'm vegan, can't do the dairy, and you have to like stay up late. I'm not a late person. I like to go to bed early, so it's just like a double double no for me. Okay, so we won't be celebrating together this year. Got it? The sentiment is nice, <laughs> but I just like, can't get with it.
0: Uh, qu- quick question. Is, is, is your veganism inspired by Judaism?
2: Um, no. I've done a lot of learning and exploring about what Judaism looks like or what, what veganism looks like from like a Jewish lens and perspective, um, so I'm definitely like familiar with kind of the – theory and the theology associated with veganism, but I wouldn't say it's like directly um, influenced by my Jewish identity by any means. Uh, I'm still looking for someone to create a really killer vegan hamantash and recipe. So if anyone listening out there wants to do that, find me at Temple Sinai. <laughs>
0: okay, well, we got some homework.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what's, uh, what's one thing for, and this is for each of you, what's one thing that you wish um, everyone knew about Judaism?
2: I can start. Um, I think I really want people to know that Judaism can look like so many different things. It's not just, I go to Shabbat services every week, sit in the pews, and participate in services. Um, that's a part of Judaism and can be part of someone's Jewish identity, but it doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, that being, it, there's so many different ways to be a Jew in the modern world and I think it's there's so much to explore and once you really find the one thing or multiple things that draw you in to really lean into those and explore that can really um, add to your you know add to your Jewish life and um, yeah I just think that there's so many cool things out there and there's so many lovely people that are exploring judaism in in unique ways and um there's not just this one box and there's not just one way to celebrate holidays and to talk about judaism with your non-jewish friends and i just think there's so much out there to explore
0: yeah don't try to put us in a box it's not gonna work
2: no
1: boxes here yeah Barry, you stole my answer. Oh, that was very much also along the lines of what I was going to say. I think I, mean, I it's a good answer. We can I think all, we, I touched on it a little answer. bit earlier, yeah. Um, I think that I wish I had understood that more when I was younger. I didn't really grasp that concept until I was 20, 21. I had a very specific idea of what Judaism was, and I think that's not an uncommon perception. Um, I wish I had understood younger that it's vibrant and dynamic and ever-evolving, and it's not necessarily... You know, little old men with amazing beards and sitting (laughs) and and, and enchanting in temple. I I didn't realize how much more than that it could be.
0: Yeah, so it's so cool. It's so wise. It has so so many different things to offer. Um, Beautiful. In um, in Reform Judaism, we pride ourselves on being um, a big tent, always inclusive, always welcoming. Y'all are are both working in engagement. Do you think um, there are or should be any limits? To um, belonging in this big tent,
2: I'm going to go hard no. Personally, um, I've thought a lot about this, and we've had lots of conversations um, in my in my graduate school specifically about this conversation. Um, and I think putting a putting a wall on the tent doesn't make it a tent anymore. Um, I think that. We can, um, sorry, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Um, yeah, I just don't think that there's a limit to what someone's identity can look like. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: I'm, I'm very adamantly going to agree
1: with Carrie on that one. Like I said, as somebody who has grown up in an interfaith household, especially as somebody who is a patrilineal Jew, my mother is not Jewish. I was converted as a small child, but not in an Orthodox ceremony, so there have been a lot of Jewish spaces where I have been made to feel very othered, and like I did not belong, and one of my biggest goals as a Jewish professional, especially in engagement work, is to make sure that nobody that I interact with ever feels the way that I was made to feel in different spaces. So I'm a very big believer in the open tent on all sides.
0: Okay. Okay, great. What um, what would you say to someone uh, you know, trying to get into this tent who doesn't even know where to begin or where to start or has felt disconnected from Judaism because some of these stories that perhaps we're sharing uh, this afternoon...
1: I would say a couple of different things. Um, one is kind of like we touched on a little bit earlier, Judaism comes in so many different shapes and sizes. So not everybody connects to the same things in the same way. For somebody it might be music or or food or, you know, comedy or or whatever it is. There's so many different touch points. It doesn't have to be sitting in temple. It doesn't have to be sitting at the Shabbos table. It doesn't have to be something that you think it does it could be a lot more outside the box people can connect in so many different ways and don't count something out because you don't think it fits in that box
0: one of my favorite teachings uh, in judaism is is that the hebrew word for synagogue is Beit Knesset, which means house of gathering um it could be called a house of prayer or a house of study but it's a house of gathering where so many different things uh can happen simultaneously so many different points of uh, of entry um carrie
2: Yeah, I think kind of along the same lines of that, um, I think finding connection points of things that you're already interested in. Um, For example, I'm really interested in cooking, so looking at maybe a Jewish – next time you cook a Jewish recipe, look something up like that. Um, If you're interested in – yeah, like you mentioned comedy, maybe try to like – Look up some Jewish comedy specials or. There's no shortage of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the jokes are about us, but looking for more, you know, (laughs) Jewish people to be doing the comedy. Um, I don't know. Things like that. I think, um, yeah, finding the connection between things that you're already passionate about and then, you know, expanding that by seeing are there other people that also share those passions? Can you get connected with them? Um, Things like that.
0: Avery, you um, mentioned once that if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, it would be uh, my namesake, uh, Natan Sharansky. Uh, why?
1: Were you named after him, really?
0: Um, I, so I, when, I, when I moved to Israel, I uh, chose a new name. My, my, my birth name is Andrew. I chose the name Natan uh, largely because um, my, it's my brother's name, but also the one famous person I knew with that name was Natan Sharansky. So kind so, of. Cool. Okay, yeah.
1: small world. Um, I guess for anybody listening who doesn't know who Natan Sharansky is, because I didn't until maybe 10 years ago. Um, He was a human rights activist in the Soviet Union, uh, and he ended up doing a lot of work for uh, the refusenik community in the Soviet Union, so those who were forbidden from leaving for various reasons that benefited the state. And he was arrested. He spent Years and years in um, forced labor camps, a lot of which was in isolation. But when he was freed, he made aliyah. He moved to Israel, and he served in various government offices and has done a lot of work for immigrants in the absorption process. And as somebody who also made aliyah and moved to Israel, and I think really benefited from some of the policies that he put in place, um, just like on a on a practical day to day level, I think that my life was definitely impacted by him. But I'm also so fascinated and inspired by people and um, groups in the Jewish community that kind of looked at Judaism as their true north. Like, no matter what the situation was, no matter how difficult things were, no matter what the odds were, they really, you know, dug their heels in and stuck to their Judaism. And no matter, like, he, he spent, I think, nine years in forced labor camps, but still Judaism was the thing that got him through. And that was the thing that he was excited to get back to, and that really set his heart on fire. And I think that, anytime that there have been incredible stories throughout the Jewish community and Jewish history where that has been kind of a guiding theme, those tend to be the ones that I gravitate towards.
0: Amazing. One of the most inspiring speakers uh, that that I've ever heard. Uh, Carrie, you mentioned that one of your core interests is um, Jewish representation in pop culture. Uh, An example of this.
2: So many good ones. (laughs) Um, Shiva Baby, the short film that came out, 2022 I think is amazing um Beanie Feldstein simply existing in all of her roles whether they be Jewish or not just her being a Jewish person and being an actress and just her in general she's my absolute favorite person I obviously have to mention the Rugrats um so many Jewish holiday specials um yeah, I could go on for days. There's so many. I just love it.
0: I sev- several. I think I've heard of the, the Rugrats. Besides that, those other examples totally went over my head. You don't know
2: and who Beanie Feldstein is? I, I
0: have no <gasps> idea, and I would bet you the majority of our listeners uh, uh, might not have heard that either. Our
2: Lord and Savior Beanie Feldstein. Do you know who Jonah Hill is? Her brother.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, a final, a final question. Um, I, like obviously, y'all are are becoming uh, more entrenched in this community. But in terms of uh, your, your your personal life, what's what's the next step um, in your own Jewish journey?
1: I would say the next step for me is just kind of figuring out what my Jewish life and community looks like as an adult. I mean, I, I came to Sinai from the Hillel movement, and I kind of lived and breathed that job. I was there all the time, and I absolutely loved it. But I think this is the first time in years that really being Jewish on my own terms and in my own space and on my own time is on the table again, and I'm excited to just really be able to explore that and figure out what my Jewish life at this point in my life looks like.
0: Great.
2: Yeah, same. I think creating my own traditions is something that I'm looking forward to, thinking about my life I just moved to Atlanta from Los Angeles. So thinking about like what my Judaism looks like in Atlanta, where that's going to take me, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about, creating my own Jewish community um, with, you know, meeting new friends and things like that. Um, so, yeah.
0: Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hopefully y'all are here for a, a long time and, uh, and we get to benefit from uh, your obvious passion and your expertise for, uh, for many years to come uh avery and carrie uh thank you so much for joining us
1: thanks so much for having us this how, was fun how was
0: your first was it fun like a kind of a conversation it felt like
2: kind of a conversation yeah i feel like you set the bar pretty high i think i'm gonna cringe listening to it hearing my voice absolutely but it's okay
0: yeah I, pr- I pretty much refuse to listen to any to any past <laughs> episode as soon as it's done i just do not i never press play okay
1: that makes me feel a little better yeah <laughs>
0: Well, it's clear the Jewish people are in great hands after uh, talking to you, hearing your passion, and just seeing in these uh, halls how much you care. Uh, Thank you for all you do, and I look forward to many more conversations. And Chaz Cloud, thank you for your expert editing, publishing, Beth Schaefer for the opening and closing music, and for our listeners, wherever you are, thanks for tuning in to Seeking Sinai, the podcast of Temple Sinai Atlanta. If you have any burning questions about anything that we've discussed, please let us know. This is not just a conversation live via podcast. It's also one across time and medium, so please make yourself a part of it. Our next episodes will continue to span some diverse voices, Jewish journeys to challenge and to inspire. Until then, setchem de shalom. Go in peace.